0: Welcome entrepreneurs and startups to Art of the Kickstart, the show that every entrepreneur needs to listen to before you launch. I'm your host, Roy Morjon, president and founder of Inventus Partners, the world's only turnkey product launch company. From product development and engineering to omnichannel marketing, we've helped our clients launch thousands of inventions and earn more than $1 billion in sales over the past 20 years. Each week, I interview a startup success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your launch to the next level. This show would not be possible without our main sponsor, Product Hype, the weekly newsletter that goes out and shows you the best inventions that just launched. Make sure to check out ProductHype.co and join the hype squad. Now let's get on with the show.
1: Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, I'm super excited because I'm playing catch. I am talking with Chad Hickman, founder and co-owner of Sandlock Goods, also a member of the team that created Yardball, and he's brought in a play partner with him, Garrett Prather, the Director of Business Development. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Yeah, thanks for having us. Glad to be here. I know we had some tech difficulties, but we're here, we're ready to play first off I've got to say congrats you guys have a campaign that has reached and been supported by over a thousand backers which is huge we've almost raised almost fifty thousand dollars for this campaign yard ball the ball for all so if you would give our audience a little bit of background and talk about the product as if they've never heard it or seen it before
2: yeah it's kind of the uh, well we, we like to think of, it as the, think of it as the ultimate ball just to bring everyone together uh, it's Kind of had uh some interesting roots. It started with this tape ball and oh, excuse me and it uh this was a ball that we just sort of pulled tape off of a floor after doing a project and it just became this uh this sort of conversation starter. We would chuck it around the office we would use it during brainstorm sessions and we always joked that like it, it's the perfect size weight and just feel to where it doesn't knock stuff over and it doesn't hurt so we just it it turned into this uh this uh like kind of had a little cult following in this little community we have. And we uh, decided sort of after the pandemic got through its first phase, like, let's, let's see if we can turn this into a product that we can, uh, you know, really like scale up and and make a bunch of them so that it's not just us making a bunch of tape balls. So that's kind of where this came into play. Uh, it, you know, I went from this to ultimately this is what we're launching with. So it, it took us a little bit to, to nail down, like, how do we, get the, the feel similar to this. And we went through several materials and countless amounts of leather, uh, different providers to find a leather that was like broken in right from the, from the get go. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how it started. Uh, it took us know, 18 months probably from when we decided to do it to
1: when we actually launched our Kickstarter. So in terms of creating the first tape ball, I know office antics and things like that, right? There's lots of things people throw around in an office, whatever they may be, some hurt more than others. The yard ball seems really interesting, not only because of the idea of it, the ball had been created beforehand, but you guys have taken a very unique spin on that. And it seems like it's evolved based on some of that office banter and play in terms of it being not only something for the office, but for something for everyone to be able to play with. How do you think that that's kind of evolved from the initial idea to where it is now?
3: Yeah, I think it's in a kind of probably a couple of different phases of it where Chad and team knowing, too, given the history of Sandlot Goods, especially before I joined, where based on making leather goods, I think that's really where it was like a natural evolution um, kind of within the, the small knit community that that Chad speaks of where it's okay. so we can transform it into a leather good because that's what we know how to make. But then also diving into that and realizing it's not just as as simple as just grab the nearest thing of leather and, and, and make it a good ball. Um, but I think it's where it really took off is once that iteration started taking place and everybody would, I mean, you take it home, take it to a tailgate, kind of take it wherever, because we're testing it out. That naturally revealed itself on how, how it can appeal to a wide wider audience, and I mean, I think just in my own personal background, where I've seen the most success, uh, whenever I've worked on teams uh, and with other companies trying to get products out, is getting it out in the field and iterating on the spot with the real consumer is going to be your greatest chance for success. And I think that's where we're lucky with something like this that is simple and easy to get out to the field. That's where eyes got open even more to what is the potential for this, and and also. Just kind of, I mean, not to be cliche, but just the like the natural joy that it can cause with people on just getting out there and throwing the ball. I mean, the story I always use is is uh, my mom, who I've never really thrown a ball with in my in my life outside. Of her, as soon as I brought it home and just we started all testing it, doing it, she's like, she came out and was throwing the ball with us too. And that for me was my own aha moment of like, okay, this really appeals to everybody because it doesn't take. This crazy skill set to be able to throw a spiral like Patrick Mahomes, who uh, side note, is the greatest quarterback there ever there is and will be. Yeah, I don't know about uh, that. But I mean, yeah, don't yeah, right. know how much time do you have. I only need a minute, <laughs> but if, if you need more time. But uh, well,
1: you know, all the amount of accolades he has is a minute worth, right? Yeah. Uh,
3: but it's just it's so appealing because it really is it there's such a low barrier to entry and then just storing it and keeping it places as well when you think about if you think about like a like a baseball and you have a glove and then it might be like a specific time frame to do it. I mean, this thing is literally one of our social media posts was like it's it like finally makes good use out of a glove box for the first time since <laughs> everybody was wearing gloves in the nineteen early nineteen hundreds or wherever like how yeah. the glove box uh, first got started. So I think that's just what gave us gave us this great idea of of being able to to have this be widespread and then just given the history of Sandlot Goods as a company and starting in leather, and
2: and we've since evolved into other products, but it was just kind of a natural pairing in that way. And always front of mind, the whole time we were trying to create this thing was it has to be used without, like it has to be able to be used without a glove. You can use it with a glove, but we had to make sure that, and that's kind of why we went through so many different types of leather before we landed on this one, which incidentally, this was our first choice. But it's very expensive, so we kind of went in this like roundabout way, like like a lot of people do. Like, oh, we can do this cheaper, and then we finally realized, no, that's not possible in this case.
3: Yeah, and and it gets back to I think kind of our our core as a company where we do make products. A lot of these, I mean, this is made by hand, and a big thing too for us is is hats at Sandlot Kids, and those are all made from scratch as well here in in the USA, paying a living wage. Like, it's just it's not it's not an easier normal path to take these days, but getting, getting it to it, and even like a product as simple as this, it it ends up, there is a lot behind it to get it, whether it's to come back to that simpleness or to kind of start, but there's, there's so much behind it that leads to it.
1: Nice. Let's, uh, I want to talk about the, the name. What, how, what was the process there of naming it yard ball? Oh my gosh. So this, this tape ball, we always referred to this as a catch ball.
2: Okay. And so when we, uh actually when i think it happened the day before we filmed our kickstarter video we found out from a we just we randomly not randomly we decided you know what let's let's do it right let's hire an ip lawyer to make sure yard ball or uh, sorry catch ball proper due diligence is available and so the day before we filmed our our catch ball kickstarter video we found out that it was no actually not available wow. and uh, the lawyers highly recommended we come up with a new name uh so it took us a few weeks to find something that because we had all grown, so just it was like part of the family. It was our catchball. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it purposely, it perfectly encapsulated what it was. So we tried a few things. Uh, pill. We were like pilly was one of them, and we we're like, no, it just doesn't quite ring. <laughs> Sounds horrible even so. now. It's horrible now, and we I were running. The kids should play with. We were running with that for like two days, and then we were, we all like woke up and like that's the worst name ever. So uh, yard ball just kind of stuck because we found our you know when we took it home, our children just ultimately ended up out in the yard with it. So it it started to feel perfect, and now we've sort of done like a one eighty. Like uh, there's no more slips where you call it catch ball. It's it's a yard ball. So. And I think it's the
3: reason, too, I think yard ball is appealing is because you think about, too, how everybody grows up and, and insert whatever sport it is, playing in whatever street, you know, with like no shoes or no, like none of the proper equipment, and like all those, all those great stories of how, how people, kids like scrap to either like a certain game. And I think that's what like yard ball, like it's your yard, whatever you're like, define what your yard is. Everyone's yard right, could be right. completely different. Um, and even especially during pandemic times, like what is a yard and how, how, how do people find that, that space? And I think that's, that's where it was, it's really, it's stuck and I think it's, it's really grown too. Yep.
1: Yeah. Nice. Talk to me a little bit about the the larger company with Sandlot and what you guys are doing and you know, kind of how that business has evolved to now use crowdfunding as a way to launch this new innovation. Yeah. I'll take that one since um, I've been doing it
2: for, since 2014. Sandlot started as a hobby uh, outside in the garage of a photo. And um, it sort of evolved from this dream. I sold creative services uh, like advertising, photography, and things like that. And I, after just getting beaten down by the constant negotiation, because it's a creative service and there's no tangible thing uh, we always joke like let's just make something and put a price on it if somebody wants to buy it they can buy it and if they don't they can just keep walking you know it it, it felt freeing it seemed like it was going to be super easy at the time and it you know, ultimately did not end up being that way but uh, we started making uh, baseball inspired leather goods uh, initially we wanted to make leather goods out of old baseball gloves but having scalability in mind that always was a concern uh, and then we're, we went to Horween, this tannery in Chicago to find baseball glove leather and found out that the minimums were outside of hobby quantities. So we ended up searching and finding a Horween leather because that was kind of the leather of the day in 2014. Still great stuff. And we found a leather that felt like baseball to us and we started making leather goods. And uh, that went on for a few years as just this like side hobby that we put way too much time into when should have been focusing on other things, but it just in Kansas city in 2014, the Kansas city Royals were absolutely crushing it. And you could put Kansas city on anything and sell it and people wanted it and just ate it up. And, uh, there were so many Kansas city companies that sort of funded themselves by selling shirts that said Kansas city on it. So that really pushed us to the next level. Dream was always for me. If I ever broke away from the photography world was to make hats. And ultimately that's what I ended up doing. Had six to seven employees all the way through till 2020. And then when the pandemic hit, we uh, pivoted like a lot of people and made PPE, uh, testing gowns, masks. We ended up making, I think ultimately ended up being 600,000 masks and gowns. A lot of those were going to first responders. Uh, We had a great deal. We were working a lot with the VA health system on a very specific type of mask. And that just sort of opened our eyes to this uh, pool of great sewers in Kansas City, and it was then when we decided, you know what, it may be the worst time ever to start a business in the middle of a pandemic, but you know what, let's start making hats. We have all these people. Yep. Uh, we don't want to let them go. We don't want to, you know, fire people in the middle of a pandemic. So we, it, it worked out amazingly well that as our mask demand started falling, the machinery and training was coming online to make hats and you know that makes it sound super easy there were a lot of growing pains but you know from an outsider it was this perfect changeover and uh so we make hats and the yard ball was always this thing off in the distance And we finally decided like we it had been something we talked about for another product we make uh, called a woolly drink sweater which is just a wool a merino wool can cousie. we thought maybe this could be a crowdfunded product and it just didn't feel right. And finally, when we, we truly landed on our yard ball, it, we sort of just like, you know what, let's hold, let's, let's dip our toes in the water of Kickstarter. Let's look around at some marketing agencies and see like, what is this actual process? And it just felt so right for this because we had these benchmarks that if we hit them, we knew we could scale. And it it felt like we were being like truly honest with, kickstarter like you hit a certain amount then we can start looking at new colors and things like that and Mm -hmm. we hit a certain amount and maybe we can engineer uh some sewing ball clamps that uh, will help us speed up and it just because it's so unique it needs its own it needs a leather that we don't use for many other things actually we don't use it for anything else and it needs tools that we would not use for anything else so just from a crowdfunding standpoint it just felt perfect for us yeah, I think Amazing.
3: I would add too is just when it comes to like procurement, kind of that very unsexy part of business and where <laughs> that's why this is appealing too, because it is that high quality leather and supply chain, which everyone is tired of hearing about now. But it's a it's definitely a real thing and being able to lean on the experience that was gained with hat making and, and how there, there's a lot of procurement that comes with that. I mean, that's you. And we can do a whole different podcast on how <laughs> how many pieces there are to a hat and how much, how tough it is to make one. Um, but that, I think, also, we're able to dip into that experience and know and see, okay, here's how we can also get Scrappy to start. And that's where you look at one of ours that sold out immediately was this, ball that is a really nice two tone. We had enough to make 100 of these, call them founders. Cause, and that's what it is. It's like a very unique, it's there's only 100 of these that we're making. But that, I think, was, in my mind, a critical piece to... Uh, capture people's imaginations of like what it can be and what it can become. So it can start as something as a staple, but really the funding allows these kind of things that we can dream up in our heads to become this reality
1: that appeals to a lot of people. Awesome. So you'd mentioned in terms of maybe trying to think of a product for crowdfunding, I know Yardball maybe wasn't immediately made for crowdfunding, but what was kind of that evolution of Knowing about crowdfunding, and then knowing that Yardball was going to be a good fit to launch using Kickstarter as a means to validate that idea. Wow! Well, um
2: I'll take that? <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, you
1: know, sort of forgotten the question in my attempt to avoid it. Uh, could you say that one more time? <laughs> what, what was your first introduction to crowdfunding, and how did you know that Yardball was going to be a good fit? Okay. Uh, Yeah. So I,
2: I've been looking at Kickstarter for quite a long time. I've backed a few projects very in a way that like I'm, I've been the guy that donates a dollar to things that I think are cool in the past. It, It, like I said before, it, it always felt like the, what you, the products that work well on Kickstarter are the ones that aren't things that typically have machinery just out there ready for it or, to have these like benchmarks that you can hit that will help you really scale. Cause I think that's what it's about. It's like using the crowd to advance fund your scalability. And it's, it really felt like Yardball had those, those benchmarks that would allow us to like, once we come out the other side of it, we uh, have this, you know, we might have six colors and that's what everyone's asking for is six colors. We might be able to put licensing on it. Cause that's something we can pursue further because we have this initial infusion of sales. So I hope that answered your question and I didn't just
1: regurgitate what I was saying before, but I, I've always looked at it as like benchmarks. Absolutely. No, and I think you guys have hit a significant benchmark with you know over a thousand backers coming into the campaign. What was some of that prep work that you did in advance of the campaign to put yourself in such a good position to not only overfund on day one, but see continued growth in the campaign day after day? It's been online.
3: Yeah, I think there's that's where when I was thinking as as Chad was talking about that kind of what 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 would make you think something is good for crowdfunding. I think some of that, too, is uh, having having now, be on, now on the other side of it. I don't think we have any idea what it truly was getting into <laughs> yeah. it where you can think, oh, yeah, that, that we'll just crowdfund this. That's how we can do it. And then you start writing it all down and you're like, OK, this is uh, not just, hey, we're going to get a bunch of people to support it and do it. And so I think we also went through that internally on a couple of different stages of being confident enough to really take the plunge. Uh, and so that's, I think, something that has been a big time learning was seeing how to line up everything from a business standpoint. But then so much of it, too, is is personal. And I think that's what that's kind of the beauty of the crowdfunding, where you want to make sure that it is a legitimate thing, that the consumer is going to want, but also at the same time, I think there's a little bit like you want your friends to make sure like your friends and family, like they think it's a cool thing too. And so, so much, so much work getting ready on creating all the assets, getting, getting the the page done, verifying the pricing, if you're going to ship international or not. And so for us to, to have a partner um, and what what we did was, is work with, with partnership on being able to help someone who's been there and, and done it and helped guide through I think that's that was really nice and I this this might not be the best way to compare it but it's how it's on my mind because I have uh, I have two two little boys who are just energy and pinball around the house so when I think of like for us going through when we when we had the boys we had a, a doula and that was like a doula is so critical because they've been there and done that and can just keep you sane through a really trying time that you have no idea what you're doing And that's, that's like, what's come to my mind. And that's probably, I see Chad smile as he's (laughs) processing that, but I really think there's something to that. And, and so there is, there's, it's such a combination of like doing everything that you've been professionally taught to do from a marketing standpoint, from a business development standpoint, from an operational standpoint, but then really being able to just be able to like convince your friends and family to support something and not make it sound like a pyramid scheme, I think is kind of like the, the other true aspect of it. And that's, what's been kind of, I don't know if for me, like personally funny in a way of like texting and being like, here's a link and here's like, this is what it is. And like, it's a leather ball, but you got to trust me. This is, this is what, this is what you want. And it's kind of like using your social capital for it. I think that's been kind of like a, a new thing being the, the first crowdfunding. Nice. But I can't, I can't wait for the, the, the doula part of this to really
1: blow up the, uh, <laughs> the
3: podcast world.
1: It's, it's going to be a thing. So I know as you guys began the research process of looking at Kickstarter as a means to launch Yardball with, you've been working with us here at Inventus Partners for a while now to help that launch be so successful. So what were some of those considerations that you guys looked at when choosing an agency to partner with? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say number one
2: was transparency. Number two was, and maybe this part of transparency, setting realistic expectations. Uh, we felt like some of the others, the, the goals they were giving us just felt a little bit uh, lofty to try to get us in the door. And I'm not saying you guys set the bar low, but it just it, I feel like we're, you're performing as you promised. And uh, so that was huge. And then just getting to know the team, I think after one of the first zoom meetings, we all left the meeting and we're just like, this is the team that's going to carry us to victory. So yeah.
3: Um, you have anything to add on that? Yeah. I think it's just, and for me too, especially coming in and and really kind of trying to run point on it, um, from a day to day, definitely when I was trying to vet and look at it, it, it was that kind of just, it was realistic. It just seemed realistic. And I think going and talking with a couple of different companies, there's, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of similarities, but then there are those kind of one or two things that set set folks apart and for some of it, it can be appealing to a certain company and some for others and so for us, it was that transparency and really that need of like I need to know if if this just isn't working, and I need to know if we need to really pivot or change or do this and and I felt that from the beginning and and that's why I think the relationship has has gone really well and and just that the kind of accountability and And it just, it helped us stay true to the timeline. I think that's the other important thing. And what I appreciated too, is how there is like, it's laid out where this is the timeline we've seen success with. These are milestones we have to hit. Like it's don't, I think you guys didn't overcomplicate it. You're like, this is what can help lead to success. Now, of course you, like you, you have to, you have to do a lot of this. This isn't just, we're going to hand it over to you and then going to be successful. But that's, I think that's what we needed in order to, to have success. I think as, as we've seen, it has. And, and there's definitely a lot of credit goes to you and your team for being able to get us to where we are. Like, I'm hoping as this podcast goes, we hit that 50,000 uh, mark. And and I know we wouldn't be there if we were just doing it today. And it just goes to that. Having never done a Kickstarter before and going the route of crowdfunding
1: with this product, It's why it's why we needed someone such as you also it's been great. Absolutely. I'm seeing backers come in every minute. I'm looking at this thing going up and up and up. So really excited for that. What's, uh, what's been like one big takeaway or one big surprise with launching this campaign? Uh, I mean, outside of like it,
2: the first six hours, it felt like we were on cloud nine. I, I, I I, I don't think, you know, when you guys were setting expectations, I don't feel like the expectation was that we would fund in six hours.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why it was very reserved, because felt... I pressed too. I was like, just like tell me what are you feeling, like what are you thinking, how are you gonna do? And they're like, yeah, like it seems the numbers, you know, like that's we're going in steady. I'm like, okay, I really, yeah, I didn't think on day, does. yeah,
2: I didn't think on day one hour six I would be like, oh my gosh, are we gonna be able to make all these? Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Like I we always we always figure it out, and we knew we that would need to hire if we got to certain places and train people and that's part of the what we're trying to fund here is jobs but mm-hmm. uh, it happens so fast in the first six hours that uh those feelings just hit me yeah, I think the if I were to
3: go back and look at the the team's group text, it would be pretty <laughs> funny because it was probably like how like like teenagers texting yeah. the the joy and excitement or like screenshots as things go up uh. Yeah, I think that's, it, I think it, for me, it's just so satisfying that, that, like, we know we're not in a group think situation where yeah. we all think this is a great product. Like, it really shows that it is a great product, and, and I just think it's going to be cool for so many people to experience these when they do get them and throw them around and all that. I think that's just like, I don't know, it's, it's so satisfying to, to have that feeling, and and you get that through crowdsourcing like so quick versus yeah. like okay now like if we had put it out on shelves on our stores and then had it online and you can like kind of ship them one by one and of course like you can look at monthly reporting and see it but yeah it
1: was just to have it go in real time that's something you just don't get that all the time yep that is definitely the unique element of crowdfunding right where there's a constant yeah. feedback channel as well as revenue coming in immediately usually when if you do yeah. these pre-launches correctly yeah i think the on the on the lighter side Kind of is like the the
3: amount of people who comment on advertising on Facebook (laughs) was very uh, new to me, and especially people who felt threatened that we were trying to take the baseball glove away. We're like, no, no, like this this compliments. This is not substitute. You're not going to have the Kansas City Royals out there throwing yard balls (laughs) against against the Boston Red Sox anytime soon. We were made into
2: villains that wanted to kill the baseball glove.
3: Yeah, no. Instead of it being like a, a like an appreciation product for it, it, it was
2: viewed as that. So, th- luckily, that was just a few, very few vocal, folks, very vocal
1: minority. Yes, yes. So, Well, they can do that with their Facebook comments, right? Some people have more free time than others. Yeah, even on the Fourth of July, I think that was
3: probably my peak moment. Yeah. During the Fourth of July, <laughs> I'm getting
1: notifications. I'm like, this. I just, I do. This is
3: not a day. Like, shouldn't you be doing anything else right now? So no, just
1: eating hot dogs and commenting on Facebook ads. Yeah. 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 The American dream. Indeed. Well, speaking of the American dream, this is going to get us into our launch round. Garrett, you drew the short straw. You ready to go? Let's do it. So what inspired you to work with entrepreneurs? I think for me, my
3: greatest inspiration in that regard has always been my dad. And, and for that, he, so being an architect, he's an architect and, um, pretty early in his career, just wanted to go on his own and do it. And and he had his own firm for about 30 years. And I had the privilege of actually being able to work with him. I started uh, uh, learning AutoCAD and correcting n- red lines at age 14. And I mean, hopefully there's no laws now being uh, <laughs> uh, broken with that. But yeah, I, I started young doing that and just was able to watch him be both an architect, but also uh, be a business owner. And I think that was just super inspiring for me. And that's always been something that's helped drive me. Now, I've, I've worked in companies very large to hundreds of thousands of people globally to very small. And, and I always feel more at home uh, when it comes to the entrepreneurs and kind of that uh, roll your sleeves up sort of business mindset. Nice.
1: So if you could meet with any entrepreneur, who would you want to have a catch with?
3: So I think I'd want to have a catch with um, this is it's going to be probably an obscure figure, but John Augustus Roebling. So that is since I'm guessing not many people know who that is, that is the person who designed um, but ultimately didn't finish the Brooklyn Bridge in New York City. Uh, I for about seven years, my wife and I lived in New York City. And and so that was kind of always woke up seeing the Brooklyn Bridge as I walked to work Uh it was very, it's just a fascinating bridge from a kind of a son of an architect standpoint, if you will. So I would really be interested to throw a ball at him because of the fact that he was able to take something during a time period of moving into steel as far as a metal uh, and build something so big and great that it exists today. And today people marvel and wonder how on earth was this thing built. So yeah. that would just be fascinating, like how his mind translated that From nothing onto paper, and, and he designed tons of bridges across the United
1: States during a during a very interesting time, so that's what I'd throw a ball with. nice well he's a, a first time mention on the show, so thank you for that what would uh, what would have been your first question for him though? Probably what what he was so bad
3: at at farming because that's where he failed was he he was a German immigrant and moved to Pennsylvania. And you would think because that seemed pretty common at the time that he would kind of figure out how to make it happen. And so he went from failing at farming to being able to design complex bridges. So I'd be like, "Help me, help me connect that <laughs> that transition. Let, let me see and understand where that happened." Incredible. All right. Well, here's a softball throw for you. Who's your favorite baseball player of all time? Okay, that one I think hopefully yeah, it's a little bit more closer to home. So uh, I'm very. I would say bias in saying it, uh, but Nikki Lopez is definitely my favorite baseball player. And that's because I've actually met Nikki, um, and we, we do have a, an endorsement deal with Nikki, And so being able to get to know somebody who's a professional baseball player and understand how hard he has worked to get to that point, I think just really resonates with me and something I can tell my boys of just like how, how people can make something that they do look so easy, but there's so much work behind the scenes that you have to do. So, um, that's just kind of like a, a fun, personal favorite for
1: me. Talking about work behind the scenes, what do you think are the top three skills that every entrepreneur needs to be successful? Um, I think they need the mind of a goldfish for sure.
3: And they need to, I think it's finding, they need to be able to find that fine balance of of like uh, work life and personal life, because inevitably they, they blend and they bleed together. And, and so then the third is great communication skills, because you have to be able to, whether it's communicating with your partner, this is the expectations, this is what I'm signing up for, and I want us to sign up for. And then also being able to communicate and sell what you're doing. I mean, a lot of times you look at the great success stories where somebody didn't necessarily invent that product, but they were the entrepreneur who knew how to get that to the consumer to convince the consumer that's what they needed. And so the communication skills, I think, are just critical.
1: What's one product that's made your life a little bit easier during this pandemic? Um,
3: Man, I'm trying to think of like what part of the pandemic (laughs) that that I can address. Uh, I would say YouTube because the amount of home projects I then worked on while being isolated uh, and being a first-time homeowner, YouTube and FaceTime to call my dad. As well, and get advice
1: on how to fix whatever
3: is broken next.
1: Nice technology. All right, last question, and I know this is the first Kickstarter campaign for you guys with Yardball, but very interested to hear your take on what does the future of crowdfunding look like. Man, I I
3: think for me, the crowd, like crowdfunding, is definitely more of a social media aspect, and way more than when Kickstarter got got started, and like maybe what how they, how crowdfunding really brought up and through the various means of communication. But I do think that the way that things can go viral and then uh, appealing to each generation with that is critical. And I think having to be able to understand that and being able to tweak your message to that way, I think is, is key. When you look at whether it's a crowd who's only in TikTok or in Snapchat versus Instagram or Facebook, like those are just, they're just different kinds of consumers. And and so going above and beyond your normal, whether you're doing an email campaign or how you're spending your advertising dollars, I think having a good understanding of the playing field and where, where you might know and have your niche, but also where you don't. And that's where you have, to, whether you lean on somebody externally or go
1: figure it out.
3: I just think that's key. Like, it's, You have to meet the complexity at
2: those complex roads. Absolutely.
1: Well, gentlemen, this has been amazing. This is your last opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where they should go, and why they should check out Yardball.
2: Yeah, so please go to Kickstar- or Go to kickstarter.com, search Yardball, and uh, back us, support us. Pick up a Yardball, two or three, for your family. Um, it's the ball for all. Uh, no glove needed. You can play with a glove, but toss in your glove box and have an impromptu game of catch. Amazing.
1: Well, audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, transcript, links to the campaign, and everything else we talked about today. And of course, I got to give a shout out to our crowdfunding podcast sponsor over at Product Type, the top newsletter for new products just like this. Uh, Garrett, Chad, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thanks so much, Ryan.
0: Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of Art of the Kickstart the show about building a better business, life, and world with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, make sure to show us some love you know, by rating us and reviewing us on your favorite listening station, whatever that may be. Your review really helps other founders and startups find us so they can improve their craft and achieve greater success like you. And of course, be sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the previous episodes. And if you need any help, make sure to send me an email at info at I'd be glad to help you out. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next week.